0: Welcome to Joanna and the Maestro. Hello, Maestro. Hello, and welcome to this mini-episode of Joanna and the Maestro. Because, Maestro, the gracious thing about doing this programme is that people write in and make comments and actually ask us questions. And Jane in Keynesham, K-E-Y-N-S-H-A-M, if you remember Horace Batchelor, K-E-Y-N-S-H-A-M, Keynesham, Bristol – Jane wrote in to us and said, Dear Joanna and Stephen, I believe I caught a glimpse of you on television. I think you did, Jane, because there we were smiling away. My husband and I thought it was a wonderful event, exquisite music. I'd love to know what the maestro thought of the music. What did you think, Stevie? Because we had the most thrilling thing of two hours of music before the great ceremony even started.
1: It was absolutely stunning. It was the best of the best the creme de la creme. It had elements of previous coronations, but there was a, a very definite new identity, which obviously suits the king and the queen, and also the people advising them on music and so on. I mean, I've got the program in my hand, <gasps> that rare copy that everybody in the broadcasters was dying to get a, a hand on when we came out. Yes, it's a little Bible of the great and the good in terms of music. So the music covered a vast amount of different repertoire. So John Eliot Gardner conducted his uh, English Baroque orchestra, I think it's called, with his choir, and they sang Bach, which Eliot Gardner is one of the world's leaders in the interpretation of Bach, mm. and he's recorded all the Bach cantatas and um, has written a vast, wonderful book. About Bach. And there he was um, conducting several pieces of Bach. The only annoying thing was, and there was a note in the program that said, that beseeched the congregation to. Besought. Besought of the congregation to be silent. But or we at didn't least to see keep...
0: that, Stevie. We didn't see that because we were so anxious, waving and coo hooing
1: just quite quietly. Now, over so so the marvellous Bach was raising the rafters in the Abbey. Yeah. Honestly, a perfect performance done by real specialists. And then Sir Anthony Papano, Tony Papano, the music director of Covent Garden, he was up in the organ loft mm. high above the choir conducting a specially invited orchestra of some of the finest players in London, all crammed into tiny spaces. Mm-hmm. So he was conducting up there. And Andrew Nethsinger who is the newly appointed and just arrived organist and master of the choristers of Westminster Abbey, was conducting sort of massed choirs, including the Abbey Choir and the Chapel Royal and some singers from John Eliot Gardner's choir.
0: And the children choirs, were, I mean, in the old days they would only have been boys, but this time, of course, there were boys and girls, weren't there?
1: Yes, a- absolutely, as there should be. And at various times in the service, when they were singing anthems and the very opening of the service, I was glad the orchestra was up in the organ loft with Tony Papano conducting and the choir was singing at the same time downstairs with Andrew Nessinger conducting. So they were watching monitors of each other's conducting to make sure everything was synchronised. Phenomenal! But these were the greatest musicians, amongst the greatest musicians that you could find in London, and by golly, there's lots of them.
0: Did Uh, you enjoy listening to some of the new compositions? I'm thinking particularly of one which was called Brighter Visions Shine Afar by Judith Weir.
1: Yeah, well... And then there was one... uh, There were 12 new commissions, especially commissioned for this service, because I don't think there would have been a coronation in our history when music wasn't freshly composed for them. And there were 12 newly commissioned pieces, and I believe... The king actually had a hand in choosing who those composers would be. And then there were 12 other composers, a vast array of different styles and composers, including Andrew Lloyd Webber. And Terry Garagan. Debbie Wiseman. Debbie Wiseman. Yes. And I think Sarah Class, Ian Farrington, Sarah Class. Ian Farrington, all Patrick Doyle. That's right. Yeah. A, a, a really wonderful cross-section of contemporary composers of all styles.
0: It's lovely. And to then have... there was
1: a gospel choir, of course. Of course. who sang a piece of Debbie Wiseman's.: And
0: we had soloists. We had Alice Hughes, who I think was, was playing the, the harp. A Carl Jenkins piece, was it? Crossing the Stone? That's right. You see, the impressive and this, thing... And pretty Yende in her great yellow-shouldered dress. That's right. Singing That's right. just it,
1: fantastic. It, there was so much, it would take a whole yes. serious podcast to go through it. But far rather than analyze it all, it was just wonderful to sit back in the wave of British talent, all hoping that they'd composed something incredibly special, and the musical effect was overwhelming. I shouldn't think there's been a similar event like this anywhere in the world that presented such a wide array of top-quality music-making.
0: It was thrilling. And, Jane, I just want to say that although I thought the recording of the entire service, because, of course, we watched it later when we came back we watched the whole ceremony, was marvellous and it was thrilling to listen to at home... Being in the Abbey and hearing it with our own ears was actually quite overwhelming. And some of it, I found I had tears coursing down my cheeks. It was so affecting somehow.
1: Some of the music has become very popular. The Handel, Zadok the Priest and Parry's I Was Glad. And I, similar to so many, I think, was overwhelmed at the beginning of the service when I was glad was heard, which was written in 1902. It's a setting of the psalm, Le Tartus sum," Sum. What does that mean? Um, I was glad. Oh, I was glad, yes. Yep. I was glad when they said unto me, we will go into the house of the Lord. <laughs> and that sentence was sung as King Charles and the Queen arrived at the west door and began to process up.
0: It was thrilling because being within the Abbey, we had big screens so that we could see what was happening, but we could only see what was happening within the Abbey. So we didn't know the great coach arriving at the outside. You could only see the cameras and suddenly the the whole atmosphere changed. Mm. And I Was Glad began and we saw this solemn procession, which was all written out. So in our huge and beautiful orders of service that we had in front of us, we could see exactly who was carrying what and who was there and... The Queen processed in before the King, because, of course, the King being the star of the show, as it were, was there, Mm. uh, came came in last of all. It was absolutely overwhelming, wasn't it? Apart from the King, who do you think is part of choosing what music is played?
1: It would have been a fairly broad committee of the Master of Music at the Abbey, Andrew Netsinger, and it would have included Tony Papano, the Sir Tony Papano, uh, um, Covent Garden's director, who was going to conduct the orchestra. And, of course, they would have consulted John Elliot Gardner. But behind it all was a king and a queen who really believe in music at its very best. So they would have been involved in all of the choices, mm-hmm. the choice of the text, and I've no doubt at all that the dean of uh, Westminster Abbey would have been involved so that he could advise on the texts and the the composers would have suggested a text or the committee would have suggested a text and they would have discussed all that at that level.
0: Do you think that when the king was commissioning music, because Jane asks thematically what was the role of music, was there a theme to it? I would have imagined that it was... Extremely sacred and solemn, but also celebratory.
1: Yeah, both those things, celebration and solemnity. Because the coronation involves moments of high solemnity when the king is anointed. And that is always done privately, behind a screen. And that, of course, is one of the most solemn moments and personal moments, there's a seriousness that underlies the whole process of anointing and croin- crowning. Say it
0: again. announcing and crowning. You say. Yes, I did. I, I, fe- I felt I knew I what you I shall try meant. that
1: again. The anointing <laughs> and crowning.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so anointing and crowning. These are the main things because it's considered it's a sacrament, isn't it? It's yes. A, it's a holy, holy. Thing. And I loved particularly what the king did, which was to draw in all faiths, because of course he's king of all these realms, and apart from our United Kingdom and Northern Ireland, he's king of many other places across the world, with every other faith represented, who are all represented in the Abbey, in our little part of the Abbey, which was the North transept, were all the heads of faiths. And that was terribly moving, because they were just as caught up in the whole ceremony. As everybody else.
1: That was in the in the music too, wasn't it? There was a Byzantine choir yes, yes. who sang some orthodox music. A particularly lovely moment. So it was very far spread over those two elements of celebration and joy and solemnity.
0: And we sang some hymns, didn't we? We all joined in and sang hymns with our tear stained hankies waving and voices trembling as we tried <laughs> as we tried to say. Luckily quite often. And it had very clear instructions, Jane, throughout this entire beautiful thing, which said, all sit, all stand, all sit, all be quiet if you can. And you know, at moments. And so we we all knew exactly what to do. So there was none of this somebody having to tell us. It was written. But we had Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven, which is lovely. Praise Him, Praise Him. These simple very familiar hymn tunes to people who've been brought up in the Christian faith and are as old enough like we are to have got to know those songs as they were by heart because I found I knew all the words as well, to all the verses. So it was just lovely when we all raised our voices, not only to shout, God save the King, which made your hair stand on end, and my hat literally to fall off, wouldn't well, no, it? That's a lie, it didn't. But, I mean, my hair was so up on end. It was thrilling. <laughs> um, Maestro, I'm going to stop us there. Because that's the end of our mini broadcast. But this aeroplane has been circling overhead, longing to know when I'm it's free a to leave. No, okay, fine. Aischa, thank you very much.
1: Pleasure.